Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Another episode, and today I'm talking to a very experienced host, uh, somebody I met in Puerto Rico a few weeks ago during the real estate conference there. Uh, he hosts in Daytona Beach, Florida, but has also rented out rooms in Arlington, Texas. So, JJ Fenceroy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jasper. Good to be with you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I'm up here in Nebraska, actually, at the time, but uh, not quite as warm as Texas, but still sunny and nice. Very good, very good. So we met in uh, Puerto Rico a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on uh, Puerto Rico as a, as an uh, investment location for short-term rentals? Yeah, that was interesting. I actually went down there uh, looking for you know some possible opportunities to invest in new properties or maybe even Airbnbs. Um, thinking that, you know, after, after the hurricane and everything, uh, there might be some properties that people just kind of gave up on said, I'm, I'm leaving here and you could pick them up for cheap, fix them up and, uh, maybe turn, turn a profit off of those. So that's kind of what I went in thinking when I got there, it seemed like the the focus was kind of more on the tax benefits of investing in Puerto Rico, of which there are a lot. But uh, as people heard from one of your previous shows, um, to really benefit from a lot of those tax benefits, you really have to plan on living in Puerto Rico, being a quote unquote bona fide resident of Puerto Rico. And um, that's an interesting prospect. It's a beautiful island, but uh, I don't think I'm quite ready to, uh, to pack up and move to Puerto Rico at this point in time. But definitely something I'll keep in mind. And really, in addition to those tax breaks that you get from being a resident, I still think there are some opportunities opportunities down in Puerto Rico, uh, even if just to pick up a property and uh, and see if you could do something with it on Airbnb. I think there's really a lot of potential down there. You know, and uh, just a few hours ago, I saw an article come out um, that uh, announced that Airbnb is actually going to work together with the uh, uh, Puerto Rico government to uh, to motivate people to to visit Puerto Rico. Uh, over the next three months, the company will donate all fees from bookings in the country to a local recovery organization, and it will launch 50 new experiences for tourists to sample the island's offerings. That so is it's, awesome. Yeah, so they uh, they're they're trying to you know they're trying to help out a little bit. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I agree with what you uh, what you just said. I, I couldn't really find anything uh, for myself either. Uh, I think in, in order to find like the really good deals, you, you got to spend a little bit more time there. Uh, but anyway, our visit to Puerto Rico kind of led to this podcast episode as as we were talking about you know some different strategies of improving your, your income on, on Airbnb and, um, and to raise occupancy levels. Uh, but before we get into that, um, you want to just quick a short, Give a short explanation of like sort of your Airbnb experience. Yeah, sure. I uh, back in 2014, I had heard of Airbnb, but uh, hadn't tried one yet. And I was on a uh, trip through Europe and had a couple days left in Paris before flying back to the states, which I didn't have any any lodging booked yet. So uh, I thought, hey, let me give this thing a try. Jumped online, found uh, uh, this little Airbnb. It was this lady who was renting out us. Uh, actually really the bedroom to her apartment because it was a one-bedroom flat. And she just kind of set up her own living space in the living room and rented out the room. Um, small room, but, I mean, it was it was nice, clean, uh, great part of town, easy access to transportation. And uh, I thought, man, this is awesome. So at the time, I had my uh, three-bedroom house in Daytona Beach where I was going to school and was using one room as an office. The other is my room. The third room was sitting empty most of the time. So I thought I'd start running that out. and. Uh, 
you know, tried it out and I was amazed that people actually wanted to come stay at my house with me, but uh, it was a fantastic experience. I was getting awesome guests from all over the world, Germany, Denmark, uh, Canada, Korea, Japan, and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. So uh, eventually I tried renting out the whole place when I was gone for the summer. That went even better. I found out that the market for running a whole house is much better than just a spare room. So uh, I just kind of kept expanding. And when I moved to Texas, uh, I decided to continue running out the Daytona house full time. And now I'm running out rooms in my house in Arlington, Texas. Very cool. And uh, you shared with me some some of the numbers from the, the Daytona house. And uh, what I, from what I remember is you, you're kind of you're making a killing with that place. Yeah, it's uh it's doing really, really well. It's um, just a couple blocks from the beach. And uh, I started off running out that spare room for like 40 something dollars a night. Uh, and I found that when I ran out the entire house uh, with three beds plus a pullout sofa, so I, I do guests of up to eight. Uh, in the high season, which is really March in Daytona Beach, I can rent that thing easily for $350 a night or more. Uh, and that's, I can, you know, make, uh, hard to say, you know, around $7,000 a month on a really good month. Uh, and meantime, I've just got the mortgage that I initially had on it, which that comes out to probably 1200 or so a month. But then there are, of course, all the other expenses. There's the cleaning and the lawn care and the pool care and, and all that stuff. So that adds up. My expenses are very high, but the uh, gross revenues make up for it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And what what about the rooms that you rent out in uh, in Texas? That's that's your own house. That's where you live yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, when I moved to Texas because of the experience with Airbnb and uh, Daytona, I thought. Um, when I went to Texas, let's find a, you know, a nice big house with some extra rooms that we can rent out. So I kind of was had Airbnb in mind as I was searching for a, for a place to live and found this great place with uh, this whole upstairs area. It had like a bedroom, a living room, and a Jack and Jill bathroom up there with lots of privacy, a little balcony. And then downstairs on the opposite end of the house was another guest room with its own ensuite bathroom, walk-in closet. Uh, and then a beautiful master bedroom. So I was thinking I'll stay in the master bedroom. Uh, I made an office for myself in one part and I could rent out the entire upstairs. I built a wall bed in there uh, so that I could keep a couch in the living room, but have that wall bed that they could pull down at night for extra sleeping spaces, put another full bed in there and a queen bed in the bedroom. So six room for six people up there. And I'll rent that out to groups of up to six or the downstairs space to groups of two. Or I've also, and we can get into this later, of uh, of multiple listings and managing those. I also have a third listing, which has those two spaces together. Uh, and that's going really well. I've only been doing that since September, but uh, so far I'm, I'm happy with uh, where it's going. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get into the, the the calendar settings, and you know how we got into this on, onto this topic is really because you know we were talking in in Puerto Rico, and you know I, I you know I sold my house about a year ago, right? So I haven't really hosted on Airbnb since a year, and and so like you know there's 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 things that I I kind of forget, like the things that I used to do to make more money, but kind of like the topic that we we're talking about reminded me of like a little trick. Uh, we were talking about. You know, how do you fill up those those gap days? You know, the one one night or two night gaps that you get in your calendar. Um, now, obviously, there the one option is to is to set your minimum nights to one. Um, but then, you know, like not everybody wants to wants to have one night stays because it's a little hassle, and also, uh, it's sometimes it's not optimal if you have like a, a one week uh, availability in your calendar, and somebody books like one night in the middle. Then you know it might be hard to fill up the you know the two or three days on, on either side of it, and and so you know what I used to do back back in Amsterdam, you know, I started with a two night minimum, and and so those one night uh, gaps I you know I, I couldn't fill them up, and the two nighters were pretty hard as well. So what I would do is as soon as I would get the booking that would kind of create a one or two day gap, I would message the the booker, and. I would ask them if they've already, you know, booked their flights. And if not, I would tell them like, Hey, you know what, if you want to stay like a day longer 
or two days longer, depending on the on the, on the, the gaps in my calendar, I would often offer them a big discount. And you know, like a, a good amount of the times, the the the, the guest actually uh, amended their reservation, and, and 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 that way I was able to fill up a lot of those gaps and still make you know somewhere between like fifty and seventy percent of my nightly rate, I'd say. <coughs> Uh, but uh, you know, overall, that that strategy kind of really boosted my occupancy levels from about like 80, uh, 85 maybe to to ninety, ninety five, and sometimes even a hundred percent. And and so I shared this with with you, JJ, and then you know you, you tried this this strategy for your own listings, and, uh, and and you immediately got some some extra, you filled up some extra days, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's kind of funny. We were sitting there at dinner and uh my uh i get my airbnb ring on my phone and i go to it and it was this guest who had already booked um with me for three days but he wanted to extend his stay two days so yeah wanted to show up a couple days early and i was like wow that's awesome i mean this is i don't have to pay any extra cleaning fees for this i was like if only i'd booked three days more i would have completely filled up this gap and i wouldn't have anything but now i've got a one-day gap which is when you made the suggestion about that and i can't believe over all this time I, that had never occurred to me myself but uh so the next morning i sat down and uh i looked at my calendar for june and i had like three of these one day gaps in there which normally my minimum stay is three days but when i do have a one day gap i'll drop it down to a one day minimum and sometimes jack up the price to uh make it worth my while and uh in this case, I just started sending messages out to all the people on either side of those gaps. And uh, within a couple hours, one lady came back to me and was like, hey, that sounds great. And I was offering them like discounts of anywhere from uh, 40 to 50%. And this lady comes back within a couple hours and says, absolutely, I'll, I'll take that extra day. And uh, right there within a couple hours, just by sending that message, I had an extra 160 bucks out of it. So I'm like, that's awesome. So I definitely plan on doing that in the future. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then, um, and then you know, we were kind of thinking like, you know, what are some other tricks that you can use to sort of increase your occupancy? And uh, and you know, how do you optimize the the calendar settings? Because because these days you can you can um, you can choose from quite a wide variety of settings. You know, of course, you have uh, the the minimum night stay. So you're using free night, a free night minimum stay, right? That's correct. Why, why did you choose that? Uh, for Daytona Beach, a lot of it has to do with the cost of cleaning. Because I'm not there, I hire a cleaning crew, and, and they actually do a lot more than clean for me because I'm out of state. They're really my eyes and ears for the property. They send me uh, information on what's going on with the house, what's broken, uh, how the guests were, and things like that. So that ends up being a pretty high cost, which it helps a lot if I have longer term stays, because then I only have to pay that once for that entire stay. Mm -hmm. uh, and with bookings of less than three days, I find that the profit margins just get so small that it's, uh, it's not necessarily worth my while. I can you know, increase the price a little bit uh, and just look for that one you know, golden BB guest who uh, shows up and says, hey, I'm willing to book it for that extra. But uh, a lot of times you end up with just those days unfilled. So uh, I, it's, I just found it uneconomical in many cases to do one or two day stays. Well, actually, it can be economical, except I don't want to get one or two day stays when I could get three or three, four and five day stays. So. I essentially have the minimum there until I get a two, you know, one or two day gap, and then I'll take that minimum away if it's economical to do so. Right, but then when you take the minimum away, then people can can book um, one or two night stays for your entire calendar, right? No, you can actually make exceptions specifically for uh, for those, you know, gaps that you have. Um, when you go under the settings, there's us. Actually, I think it's under the availability settings. You can choose custom dates for that and set however many you want. And so uh, a couple of ways I've used this too are like in Daytona Beach, we have Bike Week every March. It's one of the huge draws there. You have thousands of motorcycles from all over the country that converge upon Daytona. And uh, it's like a two-week affair. And getting one or two-day stays for that are ridiculous because most people come there for at least a week. So I generally 
for that two week period, I put up a one week minimum stay. Uh, and most people in the area do the same thing. And you can also go the other way when, if my normal is three days uh, and I've got a two day gap, I can change it for those specific dates to just two days. Right. That's a very useful setting. Um, what, how do you use the, the cleaning fee in combination with the minimum night stay to sort of optimize your, your calendar and increase your, your revenue? Yeah, so I've, I've talked to a lot of people and they, some people have like the, uh, I guess the, the sense that the cleaning fee is specifically for cleaning. And that's one way to think about it, but I kind of think of the cleaning fee as a way to uh, average out the daily rate. And I kind of look at it from the perspective of the, your potential guest. When they're looking for places to book, they're looking at that average nightly rate generally. And a lot of times, they, I mean, they only see your cleaning fee if they actually dig into your listing and look for it. Otherwise, all they're seeing is the average, which is the average of your base rates plus your cleaning fee divided by, or actually it's the total of your base rate plus your cleaning fee divided by the total days. And uh, if you, like I said, in Daytona, my cleaning fee is quite high. So if I did that, essentially, I would have to lower my base rate to keep an average daily rate that people would book. Um, whereas if I lower my cleaning fee, I can raise my base rate. And then when I have longer stays, I make more money because if I have a really low base rate over a long period of time, seven days, you know, I'm only making so much per day. So I would rather have a higher nightly rate and then implement a minimum stay. So, um, the cleaning fee, you know, is less than my cleaning, but if they're staying for three days, and I only have to do one cleaning for that period. I can still come out ahead with that. Uh, and I can run through some numbers kind of of how that will impact you if, uh, if you like. Yeah, go for it. All right. So I was looking at kind of a simplified example. But if you look at like a, a place where you have, um, say, a $50 nightly rate and a $50 cleaning fee, and somebody's looking to book that for two nights, essentially that's going to be $50 per night or 100 bucks plus 50 is uh, 50 for the cleaning fee is 150 divided by two nights. What your guest is going to see when they look to book that is $75 a night. Whereas if they're looking to book for seven nights, that's $50 a night times seven is $350 plus 50 is $400. The average there is going to be $57 a night. Now you're much more likely to get somebody to book at $57 than $75 a night, right? So uh, based on your market, you know, you can look at it and often you can find where the price point at which you get bookings and at which bookings drop off. So if at like at 60 bucks, you're about 75%, you have about a 75% chance of uh, getting a booking at that price point. Whereas at $65, it drops down to about a 50% chance. Well, now if you're at $57 for a seven night stay or 75 for a two night stay, you know, you have a, it's unlikely that anybody's going to book your place for two nights and for a three nights stay for what it's worth, that price is going to be about $66. So you're still less than 50, 50 for getting the place booked for seven nights. It's great. Problem with that is the market of people who are looking for seven night stays is much smaller than people who are looking for two and three night stays. So it's better to lower that cleaning fee and raise your base rate so that you don't so that you maintain your revenue, but at the same time, the guest isn't, you maintain your revenue like across, you know, stays anywhere from two to seven nights or more. It doesn't fluctuate nearly as much. Um, and the guest sees like a reasonable rate that they can buy. So you increase the chance of getting a booking. And by doing that, I found that uh, I can get more bookings and, and manipulate that minimum night you know, the number of minimum or the minimum night stay as well as the cleaning fee in order to maximize the market that I'm actually targeting uh, in terms of both the cost per night and the size of, you know, how many people are looking for three night stays versus seven night stays. Uh, does all that make sense? Uh, it makes sense, but I, I also feel like it, it might be a little bit complicated for, for everyone to you know, to immediately uh, sort of sort of get this idea. So let's let's dig a little deeper and uh, elaborate a little bit because I I do think it's a really interesting you know topic. Like you know, do you at what level do you set your cleaning fee? Right. 
because there's right. i mean there's kind of like two extremes like for example if you, you can set it at zero right in which case every single night will be priced at the same right so we take your yep. example from like because uh, that's kind of an easy number like 50 bucks a night so if you set it at 50 bucks a night and you charge no cleaning fee then every single stay would be 50 dollars on average per night yep and so that, that's kind of like the most extreme case where um you know where it, then you're kind of promoting a shorter stay right because then like there's no there's no premium that you're charging for for shorter stays if somebody wants to book for one night they're paying 50 if they book for seven nights they're paying 50 as well exactly does that make sense right yes I'm, you know I'm, I'm trying i i haven't really uh you know, thought about this in, in very much detail recently. So I'm also kind of just trying, thinking out loud, trying to trying to just get a picture clear from myself. Yeah, right. All right. And so. kind of along those same lines too. Um, so the price is, you're, it's $50 a night, whether you're booking for two nights or seven nights at that point, right? Yeah. So then you're, uh, you're just kind of encouraging people to book shorter stays. Or you're not discouraging them because it's the same either way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the, yeah, exactly. Like you, basically, what you're saying is, hey, I have no preference over uh, over longer or shorter day. Well, actually, like you're 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 really you're really encouraging the shorter stays because you know, let's say your cleaning costs are like twenty five bucks, um, then you know, if you if you get a one day booking, then you're only making twenty five dollars for that particular day. But if you're getting a two day booking, then you're making seventy five in total, so you're making thirty seven and a half per day so i guess if you you know if you set the cleaning fee below the actual costs what you're mm -hmm. really doing is you're uh, you're making less for shorter stays and you're making more for longer stays per night right so i i see it's almost like you're getting you you, you know you're 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 sort of punishing uh yourself or or you're um that's not a good way to say it uh but you know like you get like you get paid less for shorter stays um so but right. at the same time you're encouraging people to, to book the shorter stays that way uh you are and that's that's kind of where those two play in together using the minimum night stay together with the cleaning fee because when you lower the cleaning fee like you said uh it keeps the nightly rate from changing very much so there's no incentive or disincentive between staying for two nights or seven nights uh, but you can use a minimum night stay to reduce those two night stays because as you pointed out, you've still got your cleaning fee that's going to apply whether they're staying for two nights or seven nights and that eats into your profit. So for you, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and you can find you know, a nice balance in between there uh, of minimum night stays and where you set your cleaning fee. But again, if you set a really high cleaning fee, it discourages those shorter stays, which can be good because that can eat into your profits, uh, but it also requires you to lower your base rates. And really the, the problem with not having a minimum night stay, especially if you're in that position where your cleaning fees are kind of taking a lot of your profit, the problem there is that, again, the number of people who are looking for two and three night stays, that group is a lot bigger than the ones who are looking for seven night stays. So by having some kind of cleaning fee in there, it disincentivizes people from doing two and three night stays. It doesn't prohibit them from doing it, but it makes it less. They're they're paying a higher price per night. So, yeah. So so let's let's think about the other end of the extreme, right? So we talked about having a zero cleaning fee, in which case all <laughs> the all the all the stays are are uh, at the same have the same price, no matter if you book one night or seven nights. But for the host you're actually making a lot less for the shorter stays than for the longer stays, right? Now, now let's look at the other end of the extreme. Let's say, let's say you're renting out, you know, your base price is 50 bucks, but now you're charging like a, like a really high cleaning fee. Let's say like, like 100 bucks, oh. right? Uh -huh. So now what happens is a one night stay would come to $150. But for example, a seven, seven day stay would be, 350 plus 100 is, is 450 divided by seven is you, like 64 you, or so. Wow, you're a true just under 65 math, bucks. Math genius. <laughs> <laughs> so now, like, it, it goes down from 
150 a night to all the way down to 65, uh, about 65 dollars right. a night, um, which is uh, which is a big difference. So I guess if you you know you charge like a really high cleaning fee, then you know you, you essentially what you're doing is you're discouraging people to to book shorter stays, right? Um, exactly. And, and it also means that you as a host are making more per night for the shorter stays, and you're making less per night for the longer stays. Does that make sense? Right, that's true, and that's that can kind of be the downside of doing that because you're looking at this huge difference: one hundred dollars for a two night stay versus sixty, you know, four sixty five dollars for a seven night stay, which encourages people with seven night stays. But again, that market that marketplace for people looking for a seven night stay is much smaller, mm-hmm. so your chances of actually getting a booking there are going to be lower as well, and you have to factor that in. Right, so it gets more complicated uh, as well if you if you're trying to like look at you know what what are the typical amount of days that people book. But I guess there's like um, you know there's a there's a, there's kind of a sweet spot. Like for example, let's say like you want to optimize for like three day stays, right? Then you know if you if you charge no cleaning fee, um, and, and you, you know you, you set it at fifty a night, then a free night stay would be you know would be one fifty. Um, mm-hmm. But then you're only making like seven. You're only making one twenty-five if you have the twenty-five dollar cleaning fee. Um, but also, what you could do, you could charge like a, a let's say a hundred dollar, no, let's say a seventy-five dollar cleaning fee, and mm-hmm. and then you lower your your price, your base rate to like twenty-five. So then, then base essentially that's the same, right? You're st- you still end up uh, charging one fifty. So for a free day stay, that that actually wouldn't matter for the price, but then like for the other stays, for the shorter stays and for the longer stays, it would, uh, it would, it would, uh, it would matter. So yeah. it's, get, it's getting a little complicated here, but no. And actually that's, I mean, that's absolutely true. Especially when you look at, you know, going from a base price of $50 down to a base price of $25 over six days, if you're charging $50 a night, that's 300 bucks mm-hmm. over six days. If you're charging 25 dollars a night that's only 150 so yeah you can add your cleaning fee on top of that which is 75 is 225 but that's still less than even the base price without a cleaning fee so in the long term you would end up losing money for that if you get longer stays and you are going to get some stays longer than you know three nights most likely i guess it depends on your market but i guess we can do a whole topic just on this very specific setting. <laughs> yeah, and it can get very math intensive very quickly. So. I know, I know. But. All right, well, you know what? Like, maybe we'll we'll talk more about this in the, in the future. But let's uh, let's move on to some other uh, kind of yeah. settings. Now, you were you talking know, actually, about. Sorry, yeah. there was uh, something you pointed out earlier, which was uh, when you get uh, these these gaps, like uh, I call them these sandwich periods. They're open days that are sandwiched between two bookings. Uh, and how to handle those those things. <clears throat> and uh, so a, an example of this is I have a booking where the checkout is on Monday and my next booking their check-in is on Saturday. So I've got five days here available and my minimum night stay is three days. So there are three options that people can do there. They can either do a Monday through Wednesday, say, a Tuesday, Thursday, or a Wednesday, Friday. Or actually, I guess they could do four four-day stays or a five-day stay as well, right? Yeah. So if you few different options there the worst possible thing that they could do is do a tuesday to thursday stay yeah the reason for that is because now you've got you got to do a cleaning for that one and if you open up that one day gap on either end of that you've got to do cleanings for both of those you're paying three cleaning fees for that period that's worst case scenario best case scenario is you do all five and then in between there is you do like a monday to thursday or a tuesday to friday right so yeah, go ahead. But but that's because you chart your your the cleaning fee that you charge is lower than the actual cost, right? If you if the cleaning fee is is the same as the cost, then it doesn't then you wouldn't mind doing those extra cleanings because you're you're getting paid for it, right? Right, that's that's true. Um but then you do run into the problems that we were just discussing about, you know, the differences between a two night stay and a seven night stay and where yeah. to optimize that. Whereas if you lower that cleaning fee, the difference in how much you make doesn't really change as much based on how many nights they stay. Mm-hmm. So looking at the sandwich price thing, the way that I approached this was uh, 
I kind of wanted to discourage people from doing like a Tuesday through Thursday booking. So I would set my prices the lowest on Monday and Friday, set them a little bit higher on Tuesday and Thursday and set them the highest on Wednesday. So if they do want to book a Tuesday through Thursday, uh, essentially I'm getting the most money out of that. And, uh, Whereas if they book the whole week, they're getting the same price. So say my average price per night for that week was a hundred bucks. Uh, instead of doing a hundred dollars for every night, say I do Monday and Friday are eighty-seven bucks. Tuesday, Thursday is a hundred bucks, and Wednesday is one hundred and twenty-five. You know, the average price for a Tuesday through th- Thursday is going to be higher than if they did like a Monday through Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But my revenues aren't really going to change all that much based on those. So it penalizes them for doing a Tuesday through Thursday and it kind of makes it worth my while. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of what you're doing and, and I think this is a really good way to optimize your calendar and this is what you, in general what you want to do is kind of align uh, your your own sort of preferences uh, with the prices that you're charging. Yeah, exactly. Like you're aligning your, your revenue essentially because if you do get that, that Tuesday through Thursday, <laughs> like you're making more but you know, there's also a very high chance that you'll be losing out on those two gap days. Right. But so at least then, but then that, that, that even makes that the strategy of, you know, like asking, uh, offering uh, the extra days at, at the discount, uh, even, even more appealing, I, I would say, because if you do get that Tuesday through Thursday booking that you don't really want, um, because the prices are, are higher and, and the Monday and the Fridays are cheaper then you know, it'd be very attractive to, to offer, uh, offer that Monday and that Friday to the guests cause, because like, you know, you don't have to offer that much of a discount because they're priced a lot lower anyway. Exactly. And you're saving the cleaning fee or the cost of cleaning for those days. Right. Interesting. So, so that's a cool strategy. Um, <clears throat> you, you, you mentioned something about managing your calendar by linking multiple property listings through the, you know, through the Airbnb linked calendar function. And, and other third-party apps, because like, you because you, your house in in Texas, you're you're renting out an entire floor, but then you're also renting out uh, single rooms, right? You have like multiple listings for for one house. Yeah, I do. And uh, one of my concerns when I first started doing that was I had the two spaces, and I'm like, man, yeah, I've got to be really quick because I have instant book on mine too. So when somebody books the upstairs. If I have a third listing with both the upstairs and downstairs, I immediately would have to go and block off that listing with both spaces. But then I found uh, in the uh, Airbnb app, if you go under listings and availability, you'll find an option for linked Airbnb calendars where I could take uh, those two listings, the guest room downstairs and then the upstairs area and link those to the space, to the listing that essentially had both of those spaces together. And whenever somebody books the upstairs, that listing that has both upstairs and downstairs together automatically gets blocked off. Or when somebody books both spaces together, then both that upstairs space by itself and the downstairs listing, they get blocked off. So it makes management so much easier for me. Yeah, and this is a function that that a lot of people requested because when it didn't exist, it was like such a pain pain in the butt, right, to like manage like multiple listings within one house. Yeah, and you have a chance of uh, of getting double bookings if you're you know if you, if you uh, if you make a mistake and that's like very costly because that essentially like just having to cancel one reservation will basically cost you your super host status. That's basically what happened to me when I made a mistake with my calendar settings, which we we can also get into. Yeah, and actually that's the uh, as we were talking about instant booking just a second ago, that actually gives you a little bit more flexibility on that. Uh, and that you can uh, you can cancel up to three times, but uh, again, if you end up canceling that fourth time, you have lost your super host status for a year, and that's that's a big hit, in my opinion. Right? Yeah, that's true. Like you, you can cancel a couple times with the instant, with the instant uh, uh, when you get the instant bookings. Um, let's see. Let's let's just go through. But, uh, so did you have anything else to add to that? Or well, going back to the uh, in addition to that integrated way of linking calendars on Airbnb. They also have a, under that same, uh, under availability, the availability tab, they also have options to import and export uh, your Airbnb calendars to like Google Calendar or HomeAway, VRBO and iCloud. 
so that's out there. And then uh, I'm not so familiar with some of the other third-party apps, but I'm aware of some of the ones that are out there, like iRoomy or AirGMS or uh, Vacation Rental Calendar Sync. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there are dozens of others out there, as well as other tools to help manage your calendar. Um, if you're stuck trying to manage your calendar, I would say, you know, go out there, look on Google or check the forums and find some of these tools that other people are using, uh, figure out which ones would work for your situation and, and go with it. Because uh, doing it manually can get painful, especially if you have a lot of listings. Right. That's absolutely true. And, you know, I, I actually have an overview on, on, on the blog at paidforyourpet.com. You see, you'll see there's a Airbnb tools and resources, and there's an overview of a lot of these tools if you're interested. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to the, the, the sort of an overview of all the settings that are out there, right? So we, we've talked about minimum stay. Um, so, you know, minimum stay is, is really like, it's kind of like a personal choice because, because obviously like if you do allow one night stays, like it, it uh, there's a lot more hassle. Um, now you were talking about like the cleaning costs. Um, if you do set the cleaning fee lower than your actual costs, then obviously you, you really don't want to have like this one or two nighters. Um, but if you, I guess if you set the cleaning fee to the actual cleaning cost, then it's just, then it's just the extra hassle, right? Of, uh, of, of sort of like, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> the hassle of like the turnovers and the check-ins and everything. So depending on how you manage, that's uh you know, that's, that can be a lot of hassle or it can be just a matter of just letting your cleaning person know that there's, you know, that there's an extra, extra booking or something. You know, I used to, I used to, I started with two night minimums in, in my place. And at some point I started doing the, the one night minimum because I, you know, cause I, cause I realized that there's, there's some advantages to it as well. Um, and you know, there might be more advantages than, than you might think at first sight, I think, because, you know, obviously you, you, you get more bookings, right? If you have more shorter stays, the number of bookings go up. So the number of reviews go up. And I believe that this this has a positive effect on your on your the sort of the rankings your listing uh, the, your listings ranking in the search results. Um, so you know that's one of the reasons that I switched to to a one night minimum. But also um, it was that my my cleaning person actually really didn't mind because she really liked doing the 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 work for my Airbnb listing because you know I was paying her well. And, and, and she, so she didn't mind at all. So I, I talked to her and, and, and said, said to her like, Hey, you know, like, what if I change the, the minimum to one night? Like, you know, there might be like more, there's going to be more turnovers. And, and she was like, Oh, go for it. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to do it. So, um, so it, it, it did work out for me. I, I, I think, uh, with the one night minimum, I was definitely, uh, able to, to get to, uh, a little bit higher occupancy level. Now this is, Back in the day when we didn't have that function that you described, where you can set different minimum nights for for different periods. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you have anything to add to that, or should I go to the next one? No, that's interesting. Kind of, uh, so, did you pay your cleaning lady per cleaning, or was it kind of a flat fee? Yeah, it was a flat fee. Ah, okay. And in that case, as long as your cleaning person is fine with it, then that would that could absolutely work out. In fact, if they're fine with it, I would definitely go with a one night minimum stay because the cost is the same to you. Um, in my case, I was paying per cleanings, so that kind of adds up. Uh, actually, in Arlington, I do a two night minimum stay, and I was doing the cleanings myself there, but uh, I was not really thrilled about cleaning a room every single day. So, just to give myself a break, yeah. I kept that two night minimum. <laughs> And by the way, another advantage of having the one night stay uh, minimum is that, you know, other than the bookings, the amount of views that you will get uh, goes up a lot because you're going to show up in, in the search results when people search for a one night uh, stay. And so even if they just look at your listing, you know, it's still, it's still, I think it's still favorable for, uh, in terms of your, uh, uh, your position in the search results to, to get more <coughs> views, because uh, those views can also lead to more wish list ads. You know, so even if yeah. you don't get a booking, but somebody checks out your place and thinks, "Oh, this looks nice. Let me put this on the wish list." You know, so more views is is, is always good. I think. Yeah, that's true. Uh, is there a correlation between the number of views you get and where you actually get placed in the uh, in the, I guess, the listing results? Well, you know what, like. The, 
it's Airbnb doesn't disclose exactly how to do it. Um, but yeah. you know, if you if you sort of uh, if you sort of talk to talk to people in in the, in the space, um, I think it's quite likely to assume that uh, that more views, more bookings, more reviews, like all all that activity, any activity on your on your Airbnb listing, also like updating your calendar, um, you know, those things. I think it's kind of good, likely to assume that those are uh, that those are favorable. Uh, definitely the wish lists. Uh, I'm, I believe they actually disclosed that at some point. Um, and you know, really? the, more, the more people that view, the more people that have the chance to click on that wish list button, right? Yeah, actually, that, that had never even occurred to me. I think there is a way that you can look and see how many people have added your space to a wish list, but I, yes. I haven't actually looked at that. Yeah, you can see it. You can see the amount of views as well. You can see, you know, you can see quite a bit. Yeah, I definitely track the views, and uh, I, I kind of use the views to give me a sense of uh whether i'm overpriced or underpriced i'll look at the views and i'll also look at what similar listings like listings similar to mine what they're charging per night mm -hmm. and uh kind of come up with my pricing based on that right yeah and you know another thing that you could look at this you know the views kind of depend on the especially your first picture and then you know maybe like the the, the first five if people scroll through because in the search results you can you can kind of scroll through some pictures right um yeah. and, and then then the title uh, and the price, I guess, those are the three factors that kind of determine how many views you get. So that you know, that's another thing that I used to play with uh, is change my my uh, featured image, and then and then just kind of see if, if the amount of views will go up and down. Right, and there there are those factors. There's another factor that's probably often overlooked, but uh, it's actually a very important one, and that's how much availability you have. Because I found when uh, I had a guy book my place for like a month and a half, and uh, my views went down drastically until about the last two weeks of his stay. And then suddenly they started popping right back up. Right. Yeah. But that, that will affect your, your uh, views quite a bit when you don't have availability. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, and that's the thing, right? If you get a, a long, I mean, longer stays are great in terms of, you know, the sort of the amount of time you need to put in, in managing your place. Yeah. But at the same time, it, I believe the, the shorter stays are, are very advantageous in terms of, you know, getting more bookings, getting more reviews, um, more activity, and and you know a better uh, ranking in your search results. So there's you know like what I always used to, uh, I I never used to get like bookings of over like maybe one week or you know sometimes two weeks. But I basically what I did I set a discount for longer stays like quite low because I actually didn't want to have too many long stays because just like you mentioned, if you have like a one month stay or something, then your activity goes down so much that, you know, I'm worried that it's going to, that my, the, the position in the search results for my listing is, is, is going to go down. Yeah. I've thought about that. I, uh, I, I currently don't really have any incentive for people to stay for a month, but I guess apparently in the Dallas Fort Worth area, a lot of people are looking for long-term long-term stays, like business people coming to the area. Uh, a lot of there are a lot of nurses who pass through that area. Um, so I've actually gotten quite a few requests for it. And for me, I I'm okay with long-term stays. I prefer to if it's going to be over a month. I prefer to meet the person ahead of time just to get because I'm living there. You know, make sure that it's not somebody who I'm going to sit there just counting the days until they finally leave. Um, but so far, I've had good experience, like very good long-term runners. And as far as the, uh, you know, losing out on the views and the reviews, once I get past a certain number of views, and I'm already a super host, so I've got that going for me. Once I'm past like 10 reviews on a listing, then I don't really worry about it as much because... I've never gotten the sense that the recency of the reviews makes that big a difference as long as you know it's been within the past few months. Uh, and I've got the other listings that I can work to, so I'm still getting reviews from other properties or other listings at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I like the idea of doing less work. <laughs> <laughs> Do you set a maximum stay at all or no? I don't. Uh, well, I don't, although I only have my calendar uh, – out to so far, but really, I don't think that's, I don't think that's affected the length of stays at all. It's yeah. just affected how far in advance people are, are able to book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, if it makes sense to have like a maximum stay at all. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that, you know, in some areas, 
if, if somebody stays more than 30 days or so, they get certain rights as, as a tenant. Um, so, you know, that might be one concern, but yeah, so I guess that depends on your location, but that, that's really the only, uh, the only reason I can, I can think of, like, like I said before, like I, I, you know, I prefer to get more, more shorter stays, you know, not, not like one night or so, of course, but like, you know, like three, four, five day stays and I think are, uh, are great. Um, but because I didn't really provide an incentive for people to book like a month or, or two months or so, it, I just basically, essentially just outpriced myself for those days, you know, cause I mean, you know, if you're charging like, uh, you know, 250 bucks a night, then a, a monthly stay comes at seven and a half thousand dollars now. But if you go on Greg's list or, you know, you use other channels, I'm sure you can find something that's a lot cheaper than that, you know, for, because pe obviously people that are catering to the sort of the one or two month stay crowd, you know, they they have more, um, uh, they have better prices. So that's kind of automatic. That way you automatically kind of almost guarantee that no one's ever going to book for that long. And if, I mean, if somebody really wants to pay seven and a half grand for one month, then, you know, you can, they can by all they means can go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be happy to accept your money for that. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I'd say like maximum stay, probably, uh, probably just leave it empty. Um, and then uh, the next one is, uh, you know, your, your booking window, the one that you mentioned, right? So you could you could uh, choose from uh, essentially from from five options, right? You can either say it's dates are unavailable by default. You can say three months into the future, six months, twelve months, and all future dates. Um, so I guess from a profit maximizing perspective. I would say you 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 put you want to put it at uh, at twelve months. I would say like all future dates is a bit difficult because then like you know you don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? When when you want to sell your house, if somebody books like three years out, it's like, well, I, yeah. you know, you don't I don't even know if I still own the house, but at that point, but um, but you know, I think twelve months um would would be my choice, I, and and you know the reason is that means like you you know just to optimize the amount of bookings and and the amount of views and stuff. Although you have to be careful with one thing, which is um, you really have to make sure that you set your pricing right in your calendar. You know, if, you, if you're not using a pricing app, if you're doing your prices manually, then you know you have to make sure you're on top of uh, all the the special dates. You know, you don't you don't want to have like a standard price for for New Year's, for example. But imagine like on, on, on January third or something. You know, like. You haven't adjusted your 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 uh, the price for New Year's for for next year yet, and then somebody just instant books it for like 150 bucks. Well, where where you want to really charge like three four hundred or something. So um, if you're doing it manually, then uh, then then there's more reason to to go a little shorter or for three or six months. I, I wouldn't use three months because I I mean I used to get quite a few bookings that were sort of in the four to six months window. Yeah, a lot of good points there. Uh, and I agree with you on three months, unless essentially you're, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty on what's going to happen with that property over the next few months, then absolutely, you know, do that. And for example, uh, while I'm out of town right now, I'm renting out the master bedroom as well. So I have that open just for like the next month and a half. Essentially, I put in dates unavailable, unless I open them. Uh, because when I am there, I kind of like to have a place to stay. Um, for the 12 months, uh, that's a good point too. And one of the good things about that is uh, if you have repeat guests, for example, in Daytona Beach, as I mentioned, we have bike week that happens every year and people will book way in advance for that or the Daytona 500, they'll book way in advance for that as well. And uh, if you have a guest that stayed and they really liked your place, as soon as they check out, they may be ready to book again for the next year. And uh, if you've got it open, you know, that far in advance they can go right back in and do it and next thing you know you're already filling up your calendar but you the point that you made there about uh, making sure that you're on top of your pricing is very important i actually uh keep a calendar of not just national holidays so i know when the three-day weekends are coming so i can adjust my prices accordingly but also major events that are coming up in the area like in texas uh in arlington i'm three miles from Cowboy Stadium and from the Texas Rangers baseball stadium, as well as Six Flags, uh, where the Cowboys play, I have blocked out on, or I have marked down on my calendar whenever the Cowboys have a home game, because the hotel prices go up a lot on those weekends. 
not as much for the Rangers home games, but still, you know, some kind of adjustment there. And then uh, looking ahead to when, you know, Justin Bieber's coming to town to play at AT&T Stadium or something like that. I think the Eagles are actually coming this summer. Uh, and those are times too, when I can bump up my prices as long as I know that that's coming and get it on the calendar, Mm -hmm. but yeah, all, all very good points. Well, thank you. And do you have anything, anything to add to any of these? uh... No, I, we, we covered a lot of topics on this one. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, very good discussion. I know it's funny. Like, uh, you know, when I, when I, when we talked about doing this episode of calendar settings, I, I was kind of thinking like, okay, well, you know, we need to add add some other things to it because, you know, how long are we going to talk about calendar settings? <laughs> you know, like 10, 15 minutes and we should be done. But, uh, you know, I think apparently there's uh, a lot to discuss on calendar settings. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I'm, I'm still going to look into this, this stuff more because I still feel like, you know, even though we, you know, we covered a lot of good points, but there's still something in my, in the back of my head that make me feel like, you know, there's still some like t- little details or something that I haven't thought about. So uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna start, you know, like dig dig even deeper in the next few weeks. So well, I'm actually gonna set up my my Airbnb listing here in in Cali in Colombia soon. So uh, so you know that will be a good uh, time for me to uh, sit down and and, and really uh, dig as deep as I can to to find like the optimal uh, the optimal way to to manage your manage the calendar. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to uh, see that place. Yeah, that's it's pretty sweet, man. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> I'm excited like but you know, I really want to stay there a couple of weeks myself uh, before I rent it out in Airbnb because you want know, you really want to know what the experience is. Um otherwise, you know, it's kind of hard to market something if you uh if you if you haven't experienced it yourself. Um Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm going to also just like it's it's such an awesome place that I I was you know, I would love to just stay there myself you know <laughs> it's uh it's pretty sweet so uh all right well uh jj thanks a lot for for coming on the show uh it's been yeah. a, it's been a pleasure uh, having you and uh, i think we covered some interesting topics so you know really appreciate the insights that you uh that you provided yeah thanks jasper i appreciate it, it was a uh, it was a good time all righty and for the listeners of course thanks for listening if you have any questions i mean this is kind of a complicated topic i realized uh but uh you know feel free to, to send an email jasper at get paid for your com, or uh you know comment on the on the facebook page on instagram on youtube and all those other cool places so thanks for listening and uh, until next time Get paid for your pet